What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oasis Podcast. Oasis is the college and young adult ministry at Park West Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Come hang out with us if you're ever in the area on a Thursday night. We'd love to meet you face to face. If you don't already, make sure you follow us on social media at Oasis PWC to stay updated with everything going on here with the Oasis family. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. Let's jump in. Tonight, we kick off our You Asked For It sermon series. If you haven't been here the last couple weeks, about once a year, we do this sermon series, and it's so fun for me. It's fun for our leadership team, because what we do is we give you an opportunity to send in questions, to send in topics that you want us to talk about uh, in Oasis. What are some things that you wish pastors talked about more? Well, tonight... We're going to kick off that sermon series, and uh, if you will allot me about three hours, I'm just totally kidding. Some of y'all got so anxious so fast. Uh, I'm hoping to touch on two things tonight, uh, two different things that actually came in last week at Cookout. How many of you were there on Tuesday night at, at Cookout? A handful of us were there, and we're still paying for it, that fast food vibe. No, I'm just kidding. Tuesday night cookout, we had some healthy conversations, and we talked about a couple of these things that we're going to dive into tonight. So why don't you stand to your feet for the reading of the word? Let's do it a little different tonight. I feel like preaching. And I'm going to give you a warning when we, as we jump in. Tonight is like a preachy-teachy sermon. For those of you that have been in church for a while, I've got a lot of scripture, and that's a good thing. Amen. Tonight, I hope to touch on a couple topics and give us a lot of context. I hope tonight to be a night that you leave here smarter than we came in. The the Bible says in Proverbs, to get wisdom, though it cost all you have, get understanding. That's our tonight. We want to dive into the word. We want to hear from the Lord and leave here wiser. Amen? Amen? All right. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus so beautifully said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. God, thank you for your rest. Thank you, Jesus, that we can come to you for the answers that we need. God, when things are tough, when circumstances are a little shaky, when we don't quite have the answers in the moment, in complicated times in life with complex situations, and and when people ask us questions that we don't have the answer to, God, thank you that we can come to you, come to this word, and find the answers. Tonight, I ask that you will shine light in maybe even dark places. You'll help us to understand your word better. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. I would assume most of us are on social media because we don't have anything better to do, right? We just swipe through social media. That's totally fine. It's brainwashing all of us. It's totally okay. I have been spending time on social media this week, as always, and there is a video that is going around that you have all seen, and it's the greatest thing ever, where this boy shares how much he loves corn. And I should have thrown the video up because it would have been even better. It's so fantastic. It's so fantastic. This little boy is being interviewed by this guy, and he's literally holding this thing of corn, talking about how much he loves corn. And I want to quote this because it's fantastic the way this goes down. The man asks him, "Uh, what do you like about corn? And he says, ever since I found out that corn was real. And he says corn. He never says corn. It's corn. Ever since I found out that corn was real, I liked it. 
And the guy asks him, this is my favorite part of the video, because he asks him, did you think corn wasn't real? And you know what the boy's response is? <laughs> when I tried it with butter, everything changed. <laughs> and he just like completely ignores the question and goes straight to, and then at the end of the video, we quote it all the time. If you're around me at all, I'm sorry, not sorry, because I'm quoting this every day. The kid goes, mm, cone. Mm, cone. <laughs> but I, I found this video so funny because I feel like I'm this kid. Other than the liking corn thing, I hate corn. Those of you that love corn, that's totally fine. You, Jesus, and corn can just do life. I can't stand it. I'm not about it. Not about it. But I relate to this kid in the ADD nature that he lives in because the guy asks him a question and he's like, and I tried it with butter and everything changed. <laughs> And I feel like sometimes I'm having conversations with people and that's how things are. And I'm just not gonna make eye contact with my wife because she probably gets the majority of this. Where I can be having a conversation and I'm so fixated on something just way over here. And she asks me a question and I just continue to talk about what's way, way over here, right? Okay, we don't wanna be that way as a ministry. What I mean by that is there are times, can I just be honest as a pastor? There are times that we come into the year and we only have a handful. You think, okay, who can tell me how many weeks are in a year? Right. So that's how many sermons that I have with y'all. But you've got holidays. We have vacations. We have game nights. We have worship nights. So I, we have a limited amount of times where I have the honor of doing this, of standing here and talking about the Word of God. So we try to come into the year with a plan. Of like, oh, well, we should talk about relationships at some point, right? The relationship series will come up soon, and it's so fantastic. We should talk about dating. We should talk about finances at some point. That would be helpful. Lord, for me, that would be helpful. Like, we should talk about what does stewardship look like? Talk about practical things. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. What does it look like to live life with the Holy Spirit, to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? We intentionally plan these things out for what we want to do. But there are times that we can stick to those plans and not listen to the questions that are being asked. So what we do with this series is we really pause and hit time out for a minute and go, okay, yeah, 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 but you are the young adults really living in this scene right now. So what are you dealing with? What are, what are you going through? What are some things that we can talk about right now that apply to where you are specifically in life. A goal tonight is to talk on two of those things. So this is where we get into some of the teaching part. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's take some notes. If you are new to church, this first part is going to seem so silly, but I promise you're going to understand in a minute. I want to spend the next couple minutes and then we'll, we'll punt to another subject. I want to spend a few minutes talking about women in ministry. I'm going to read you a couple scriptures, <laughs> and then you're going to understand where we're going with it. Now, let me, let me do this. Let me give you a little bit of context before I have you throwing tomatoes at me. So if you've been in church for a little while or if you've been around church, you've, you've heard of like different denominations. Like there's Baptist churches, there's Pentecostal churches, there's Methodist churches, Presbyterian churches. You have all these different denominations. Now, denominations are a beautiful thing because what it does is it provides accountability for the local church. So let's say we come in on a Sunday morning and Pastor Jeremy just preaches complete nonsense, which, praise God, we have an incredible pastor that loves the Lord and loves the Word of God and preaches the truth. But if for some reason he just completely went cuckoo for poco, how do you say that? Oh, whoa, whoa. Did I just have a stroke? Did you hear that? Cuckoo for 
Cocoa Puffs. There it is. If he comes in and just loses his mind one Sunday, the denomination can step in. Because being ordained in our denomination, being a church, we are a church of God church. It's a Pentecostal denomination. And if something happens inside the church that doesn't line up with what we believe as a denomination based off of what's in this word, there's accountability there where the church of God, they oversee this building, this property even. So they could come in and say, Pastor Jeremy, whoa, whoa, that's some nonsense. We, you need to take a breather for a minute and let's make sure that the word of God is being preached. Denominations are a beautiful thing because there's accountability. But one of the reasons that denominations exist is because people over the years have interpreted different scriptures different ways. So if you've ever had conversations with someone and they're like quoting a scripture and it sounds like just not at all what you learned it to say, that's kind of what I'm talking about where sometimes people will take a scripture out of context. Sometimes their upbringing, their whatever, they interpret the scripture in a way differently than you do. That can be really dangerous at times. But the main thing is we got to agree on one thing, one main thing, that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. Scripture says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that the Father raised him, then you shall be saved. That's the non-negotiable, right? There's some blurriness as we interpret other things in Scripture, but that's the non-negotiable. So here's an example. We are a Pentecostal church. That in Acts chapter 2, where the baptism of the Holy Spirit poured out in the upper room and they, they started speaking in other languages and all these gifts of healing and all these things happened. It was this crazy outpour. We believe God is still doing that. That the gifts of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul and others wrote about in the New Testament, that that still happens. There are some denominations that believe that that was specifically for that time. That's an example of interpreting Scripture a little different. But we're all going to be in heaven one day. Because we all believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? Now, I say all that to give us some context for where we're going with these couple scriptures. Because don't throw anything at me. I'm going to read these and then we're going to explain where we're going. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34. I did not write this. I feel like I need to hide from all the ladies in the room. It says, the women should keep silent in the churches. I was, thank you, men. I really intentionally left a pause there to see how the boys in the room would respond. Thank you for being silent. There's some wisdom. There's some wisdom in this room. The women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. Okay, okay, let, let's move to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain silent. Don't you feel encouraged? Let's pray and get out of here. Let's pray and get out of here. And I'll just leave y'all to argue about it. Wouldn't that be hilarious? <laughs> no, we got time. We'll unpack this. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it for a minute. Now, the Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie, correct? It's a feedback. You know, I preach better when there's feedback. He's not a man that he should lie, correct? So he can't contradict himself, correct? So when we read something in Scripture, if it contradicts something else, we're misinterpreting somewhere. Fair? Now, here's the problem that I have with these two passages. 
There are some denominations, there are some churches, some great churches, some God-fearing churches that just want to do what God has called them to do, that have read these two scriptures and have said women should never have a microphone, women should never be able to pastor, because the Bible clearly says women should be silent. Like, that's a real thing. There are some of us in the room that that grew up, and that's what I'm saying. Like, those of you that are new to church, you're kind of like, what? But that's a real thing. And there's a handful of these scriptures like this that kind of leave you confused even. But God doesn't contradict himself. Amen? Okay, let me show you this. There are a handful of places in scripture where God intentionally used women to share the gospel. In fact, John chapter 20, Jesus is crucified on a cross. He's there for three days. The father raises him from the dead. And you know who the first people are to notice that? Mary Magdalene and a couple other women. And the Bible says that they went and shared that news with the disciples, which means that it was women that were the first ones to actually share the full gospel. And see, that that automatically you're like, well, hold on, wait a minute. That doesn't make, it doesn't add, well, it gets even better. Jesus intentionally ministered to women and spent time with them. We talk about it regularly in here. You know one of my favorite scriptures is John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Jesus goes into Samaria, and he has a conversation with a woman of a different culture that it's really inappropriate for her to be talking, or to him to be talking to her in the first place. She gets her life all turned around in one moment, and you know what she does? She runs into Samaria to share the good news about what Jesus just did. And the Bible says further in chapter 4 that a bunch of people committed their lives to Jesus because she went and shared the testimony of what God had done. There's a scripture in Luke chapter 8. I won't read it for you. I'm telling you, there's a lot of stuff I'm throwing at you tonight. We're going to learn something, yeah? There's a scripture in Luke chapter 8 that says that Mary Magdalene and two women named Joanna and Susanna were following Jesus and the disciples, and they were actually giving money and funding some of the ministry as they were following along. There is scripture after scripture after scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 talks about women giving prophetic word in church services and how that should work. So how does it make sense... This would be another good point to just pray and dismiss. So we're all like, well, now I'm confused worse than I was when I got here. How does it make sense to have these scriptures that seem to pretty clearly say women shouldn't speak in the church and then have all these instances where it seems like God empowered women to share the gospel, to lead? Yeah. So here's here's where we want to break this down. Galatians chapter 3. This is the main one that really gets me. Chapter 3, verse 28. I'm going to have a seat. Verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, what the Apostle Paul is saying is stop comparing. He's not just trying to deal with the like crazy... Uh, forgive me, but gender neutrality stuff that we're dealing with now, and some that, that's not what he's insinuating here. What he's saying is there was a time when the Jewish people that grew up as Israelites believed that they were the ones that the Messiah was coming for. And Jesus showed up to save everyone that would receive him. So they're comparing and talking through men in leadership and women in leadership. And, and should Jews be allowed to do this? And Gentiles allowed to do this? And all this. And Jesus says, 
or through Paul. No, no, wait, wait, wait. None of that matters because we are all one in Christ Jesus. It's not that there's not differing roles. When y'all start getting engaged, come see me. We'll do premarital counseling. We'll talk through some of these things. There are some things that are God-ordained, but that's not what we're talking about here. What we're saying is stop the comparison, stop, stop the in-between. That's the scripture that really gives me the most trouble when we start talking about women in ministry is why would the Apostle Paul write to the church in Galatia and say, stop comparing because none of that matters. And then the same Apostle Paul write to 1 Timothy and to the church in Corinth saying women should be silent. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah? Let's get a little more context. I feel like we're almost in like college course tonight and I'm thriving. I hope you're okay because I'm thriving right now. So we started in 1 Corinthians 14, 34. Let's read it one more time. It says, The women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. That's verse 34. If you were to go back, and we're not going to read it right now, but if you were to go back six verses and look at like 28, 29, the apostle Paul is teaching them how to handle prophetic words. So in these, these letters in First Corinthians, a couple chapters before this, he talks to them about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And he says, if someone feels the Holy Spirit on them in a church service and stands up and gives this word, it has to be interpreted. It, or, or otherwise, it's just nonsense and it's messy and it, it's not a thing, right? It's not appropriate. The word that he uses there, the conversation that he uses there, for they should be quiet, is the same thing that he says about women in ministry. So the, the context here has way more to do with the fact that these particular women in this church in Corinth were standing up and declaring craziness and saying it was prophetic. And the Apostle Paul writes and says, hold, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the order. This is how things should operate in the spirit. So it seems legitimate that what he's talking about here in 1 Corinthians isn't even so much just women in general. What he's saying is we are in a time in history, and you'll see the same thing in a second in Timothy. We're at a time in history where everybody's trying to figure out what to do with the fact that Jesus just came in and changed everything. And it is so pivotal that what is taught in the church be the truth. And we're trying to figure out how to walk in the gifts of the Spirit and all of that. So he says, tell them to be quiet. <laughs> because what's happening, what's being taught is craziness. You go to 1 Timothy. The reason that Timothy is in Ephesus is because the Apostle Paul sent him there to make sure that the church would stop preaching craziness. Jesus has only been gone a few years, and these churches are popping up everywhere. Because of the ministry that the disciples are doing, and within years of Jesus being gone, they're changing what they believe. They start saying that Jews and Gentiles are different in the faith. They start saying that, um, that the Holy Spirit's not for everybody. I mean, there's a lot of, they start saying they don't believe that the dead can be raised. And that's a pivotal part of the gospel message. Amen? They've already started changing the doctrine. In this time frame, in the Old Testament, boys that grew up in a Jewish culture memorized the word. It was part of their upbringing. Girls weren't allowed to. So this early church has happened, and all this stuff is taking place, and people are excited about it, 
and women are jumping in and sharing <laughs> and saying things that aren't 100% in line. And because of the amount of crazy teaching that's taking place in Ephesus, Paul says, tell the women to be quiet. Women, turn to a man next to you and say, aha! Oh, y'all were even feeling it. Y'all weren't even feeling it. Somebody needed that, and it's going to be freeing. Some girl in the room, turn to somebody next to you, specifically a boy, and say, aha! Yo, this is, this is hilarious. So I say all that to say I'm about to move into the next subject, which I promise you're going to be very interested in. I've spent a lot of time looking at different denominations and the way they've broken down this subject. And because of the amount of contrast that you find in these different passages, I've not found anything where it makes sense to tell a woman what they can and cannot do in ministry. I'm looking at Assemblies of God, Church of God, Baptist, I'm looking at the different theological statements in the different doctrine, and I've yet to find anything that's different than what I just shared with you. What happens is some people go, well, we're kind of confused about this, so let's just tell the women to be quiet. And then there's other people that go, well, we're kind of confused about this, so let's not hinder it. If you're wondering which side I'm on, <laughs> I'm not going to hinder women in ministry. I believe God has called and anointed you to make an impact and to grow the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Okay, here's the first one, women in ministry. You awake? You still good? Okay, let's talk about homosexuality and Christianity. Let me take a sip of water for this one. Everybody was just like, oh God, should I go? Should we leave? Is pastor going to do this? Yeah, this matters. For real, though, this matters. We need biblical clarity on not just how to, how to feel about the situation, but how do we handle it? How do we respond to it? Yeah? If you have your Bibles with you, you can go to Luke chapter 19. I preached on this a few months ago. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's about a man named Zacchaeus. Turn to your neighbor and say, Zacchaeus. If you grew up in church, you remember the song about Zacchaeus being a wee little man. A wee little man was he. It was very insulting. It wasn't nice. But it's because Zacchaeus was known in Scripture. It says so in these first couple verses that Zacchaeus was short. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. The dude was incredibly wealthy. And these, these are super important things for where the story goes. The reason that tax collectors were not liked very much so in this time frame was because they weren't just going and taking taxes from the people. They would make up their own numbers and take taxes from the people and then take their own off the top of what they had taken. So their own people didn't like them because they were just jerks. So Zacchaeus is in charge of the people of these people that are doing this. He's, he's a big deal in this scene. He's incredibly wealthy. But the Bible makes it so clear that he's so unfulfilled. He hears that Jesus is coming through his town. And because of how short he is, I promise it's in there. It is the very first 10 verses of Luke chapter 9. So my note takers, you can go catch it later. I'm not going to read every scripture tonight because I promise we'd be here an hour and a half if I did. But you can go read it later. The Bible says that because he was short, he climbed up a sycamore tree so that he could see Jesus when Jesus came through. And Jesus so beautifully, just the way you can imagine him doing it. He looks up in the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, come down from there. I must come to your house for dinner. 
And Zacchaeus takes him to his house and he starts this whole conversation. I share this scripture because I feel like this is how, how we should really go about the topic of homosexuality. And here's what I mean by that. There's been a lot of time in our history where people have stood on the road with big cardboard signs. There was these Turner Burns signs, right? And Jesus didn't do that. Now, don't misread me. I'm not insinuating that Zacchaeus was homosexual. That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is Jesus was so intentional to not just shout from a distance, but to say, let's go eat dinner together. And I think where we've missed it as the big C church is we've wanted to change people into someone we could love instead of loving someone enough to hope that they would change. And that's where Jesus just blesses my life. He, he doesn't change Zacchaeus so that he can become someone that he wants to come to his house and eat dinner with. <laughs> he goes to his house and he eats dinner with Zacchaeus knowing what that impact is going to have. And it does exactly what you would hope for at the end of the passage. Zacchaeus stands up from the table and he just rent. The Bible doesn't give any context for this. It's literally just like Zacchaeus stood up and said, I'll give it all back. I'll give back what I stole. I'll give back all the things. I want to be with you, Jesus. I'm ready to change my life. And one moment, one moment with Jesus changes the way this man sees absolutely everything in his life. And this is the deal. The religious leaders, the Sadducees, Pharisees, the whatever around are frustrated with Jesus for hanging out with someone that doesn't fit the mold for them. That doesn't look like them, isn't cleaned up yet isn't ready to come to synagogue or church on Sunday morning, right? They're not in that position yet, and they're so frustrated that Jesus is hanging out with them. And Jesus says to them in verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Man. Homosexuality is a touchy subject for a lot of reasons. But in 2022, it's an interesting topic because the devil has so strategically attached it to other things. And here's what I mean by that. Our political system, oh, he said politics. Oh, man, everybody's really sweating. Y'all are looking at your watches like, is it ready to, am I ready to go yet? Our political system has somehow attached women's rights, homosexuality, and racism, as if you can vote these issues out. You can't. You just, you just can't. And we've, we've even really misconstrued what women's rights should be in the process. We've muddied the waters quite a bit and tried to make these something that, that they're not. That they're not. And that's why I wanted to to endeavor to discuss women in ministry and homosexuality at the same time because there is a group of people there's a, a bunch of churches that are are trying to be just super progressive and super updated and super whatever that would say yeah well women should be this and women should be that and they should be free to do whatever and then kind of slide in oh and homosexuality is okay at the same time 
And I wanted you to hear me say as a pastor, well, some, we've missed it in some areas with women in ministry. I think those scriptures have been misinterpreted a little bit, but don't hear me stutter. The scriptures on homosexuality have not been misinterpreted. You will not go through and find these conflicting scriptures. They're not there. The Bible is clear that these, these things are, are sin. So here's the scriptures. Leviticus 18.22, Romans 1.27, 1 Timothy 8.10. But we'll read 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. The Apostle Paul says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, who help me tonight, Lord, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. How intentional to not go after what, but to say this and this and this and this and this. Don't be confused. Don't be deceived. These are a list of some of the many things that are sins that entangle us, that catch us up. But look at how beautiful this is. He says, and that is what some of you were. But, oh, don't miss that but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Uh, there's no gray area on this one. There's just not. And I, I'm intentional to give Scripture because this isn't about Caleb's opinion. This book is it. This is the truth. It's either true or it's not. And if, if we believe what we believe, that God so loved the world that he would give his only son so that we could be made righteous again, so that we could transform into his likeness, then making him savior has to make him Lord. And what he says goes. Not because he's this awful overseer. No, 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 no. Because he created you. He knows what's good for you. This isn't like do all these things or don't make it into heaven. We weren't going to get there anyway. That's why Jesus was necessary. And his sacrifice is what changes everything. And out of that awareness, we can become more like him as the Holy Spirit leads us to do so. Now that we are his righteousness in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, I feel like I'm teaching a college course. This is some heavy stuff. This is some heavy stuff. So one more thing, important caveat. Temptation and sin are not the same thing. Oh, and this is so important on this one. It matters in every area of life, but it really matters with this subject. The Bible says that Jesus was led into the wilderness and tempted for many days. It also says that Jesus was without sin. Amen? Therefore, temptation and sin are not the same thing. Where this becomes an issue is when you live in that lifestyle. I've heard people say, I didn't choose to feel this way. And trust me, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that. I think this, is, this has become a a tricky thing. I think we've had some times where 
it became a fad to a degree. And I think youth really struggled with how to respond to that. Youth that just desperately didn't know where their identity was, that, that had been through some stuff. You're looking for a place. And, and they, that community has done a good job of celebrating to the point that it has led some people to choose that lifestyle. But I also think that there are people that that's just the tendency. That's the natural draw. Hear me. I don't doubt that. People say, I was born that way. I don't doubt that. That's why Jesus said you have to be born again. I didn't choose to be tempted to look at pornography. Right? The difference is when... Because of how deep of a, an issue that is, the enemy has so strategically made it an identity thing. And that's why, please do not miss this. Turn or burn posters do nobody any good. Jesus, <laughs> you won't find it in Scripture where Jesus is standing on a street corner screaming at people. What he was doing is he was saying, hey, come, come have a seat. And let me tell you how wonderful you are and how loved you are. And let's build a relationship together. Let's create this thing. Let me tell you how I can transform your life. A couple years ago, um, Jordan that, that plays drums, I called him today so he could remind me this story because it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. A couple of years ago, Jordan and Hannah moved into this new house in a neighborhood. And they had these neighbors that right after they moved there, the neighbors came up and introduced themselves. And the neighbors were two gay men that had been together for a really long time. They came and introduced themselves because they knew Jordan and Hannah were doing some renovations on the house. And they had been good friends that the people that lived there before them. And Jordan, he told me today, he said, I couldn't tell you what it was. But something in my heart just broke. It wasn't even an intentional decision. He said, but I was just so drawn to just care for these guys. Just, just be there. And from that point on, they were just good neighbors. And some of us, like you live in, in a dorm or in your parents' house or something, and like you're, maybe you're like me. We're in a condo, and I feel like every like six days, I go to get the mail, and my neighbor's working out in his garage, and I'm like, yep. And then I go back in the house, and that's like the extent of our interactions, right? That's such a guy thing, like, yep. Then I go back in the house, like, lifting strong, bro. Keep at it, right? <laughs> but Jordan and Hannah built a legitimate friendship with these two men, and they had them over for dinner, and they went to their house for dinner. And Jordan was laughing as he remembered that some of their deepest conversations happened because they would borrow each other's lawn equipment. Jordan and this one other guy were constantly working on their yards and they had this beautiful property so they'd sit outside a ton and they would just talk. They'd let each other's dogs out when they were going to be gone for too long. They had keys to each other's houses. They built this friendship and over time at some point this conversation sparked and they told Jordan and Hannah that they loved Jesus but they didn't know what to do and, and how to respond because they really had these legitimate feelings for each other. Is this too real? Let's have some conversation tonight. They had been living together for years. 
They're just like, yeah, and we feel like the church is splitting over it because there's some denominations that it kind of is. That the world's trying to figure out what to do with this now and people are changing what this says or attempting to, to just adjust, to just adjust to it. And they were just honest. They were like, we really love Jesus, but we can't, we can't deny the feelings and this is where we are. A little while later, one of the men that Jordan was closest with was diagnosed with cancer. And Jordan, every time he saw him, he said, we would just pray. Pray for healing. Pray for peace. It wasn't anything special. We just, we'd take a moment and pray. And Jordan said, there was one day we were going to pray together. And he said, I don't know what came over me. <laughs> but I said to this man, you know your lifestyle doesn't lead to heaven, right? Whew. And this man said, I know. And we, we've struggled. But I know that. And this dude stopped the relationship until he passed away a little while later. That is the most beautiful story of how this thing should work. It's not about having all the right answers at, at all the right moments. <laughs> it's about loving someone enough to want to see them in heaven with you. It's not a number you check off, just another jewel in your heavenly crown. It's a legitimate individual that Jesus loves very much, that Jesus died for. And this, this conversation and this topic has become so icky and the, the church doesn't know how to handle it. So the, the question that came up at cookout on Tuesday night was, now how do we handle this then? What, what do we do with this? I tell you, you give them a seat at your table. And not everybody's going to like that. The religious people did not like Jesus for that. Not everybody's going to like that. But let me be abundantly clear. You will see lots of places where Jesus ate dinner with people that were struggling and that were not living the right way. You will not find a place where he affirms a bad lifestyle. It was being in his presence that led people to change. And you carry the Holy Ghost in you. You are his hands and feet in this world. And them being in your presence is being his presence. And you can watch people find peace and find wholeness in the Savior to the point that they would denounce a relationship that they had been in for years. That's the God that I serve. It's not just a hypothetical situation. It's a, this really happened. You give someone a seat at your table. If you don't hear me say anything else tonight, hear me say that we are living in such an interesting time. And I would guarantee that every pastor ever has been saying that for the last couple thousand years. But we really are. COVID was a whole situation. Our government is a whole situation. There's a lot going on. And the way things are trending and how difficult, it, it's not going to get easier with these situations. This is becoming more prevalent. And it is vitally important that we as a church know how to love people that are lost. And the way you do that is to pray 
for their salvation. When you meet somebody and they're just driving you crazy and they're annoying and you're like, my goodness, will you please get away from me? (laughs) Pause for a minute and remember that Jesus died for that person. And ask God to to use you. It doesn't sound all that fun. (laughs) But that's what he called us to do. It's the Great Commission to love people radically and to see them saved. Amen? These are two of a couple big topics that I hope to catch in the next few weeks. But your take home for tonight, again, two not at all connected topics, but we believe that God can use women in whatever capacity God wants to use them in. And we are living in a world where sin is not just sin, it's become identity-driven. And in order for those things to be adjusted, this is not a beat somebody over the head. This is, no, 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 well, I can't change that this is what it says. This is, this is what it says. But please come eat dinner with me anyway. Even if we disagree right now. <laughs> even, if we, even, if, even if we don't even like each other right now. We can still go to the movies. We don't have to talk. We'll just sit next to each other and go see Top Gun, right? Like, we, we're just going to hang out. Be intentional to just love people. It's that simple. Love people. Jesus loves people. And he's called us to love people. And that looks like telling the truth, but not being a jerk in the process. Stand to your feet. We're going to lay in this thing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've heard me say it some lately because I just can't get away from it. The New Testament, this is so important. When you're at home and you're reading, remember, the New Testament was written to people that were just figuring out what to do with their faith. New Testament was written by men that had walked with Jesus, that are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wrote through them these letters to people trying to figure out how to live for Jesus. What we need right now is to read this word. Because we're in a place doing the same thing. We're going, God, 2022 is wild. How do I live for you in 2022? Yeah, I promise it's in here. (laughs) And sometimes it looks like healthy conversations like this so we can make sure we're interpreting it the right way. But everything begins and ends in this word. Amen? Heads bowed and eyes closed across the room. God, I thank you for intentional teaching moments. I thank you for the opportunity to dive into your word. God, these are important things. These, are, these matter, not just to us, but to you. We want to make sure that men and, and women have an opportunity to be used by you in whatever way you see fit. And God, in a, in a culture that is celebrating lifestyles that are contrary to your word, we want to know how to respond. So thank you for clarity. Thank you for truth. Thank you that you are a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. If you're in the room, nobody looking around, you and Jesus. If you're in the room and you would say, um, that maybe you've been struggling. It may not be homosexuality, but you've been struggling. You've been on the fence a little bit. And you're hearing us talk about this Jesus that died for you. 
you're hearing us talk about this righteousness, this life change, this ending up in heaven. You hear me read the scripture about people caught in sin and slanderers and liars and they they won't inherit the kingdom of God and you're going, hold up, wait a minute, I want to be there one day. If that's you and your heart's beating out of your chest, nobody looking around, if that's you and you say, I want to commit to Jesus tonight or recommit to Jesus, you throw a hand up for me. Amen. I see that hand. Amen. 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 I'm going to hang on just a minute. If that's you, your heart's beating out of your chest, you know Jesus is calling you forward. Any other hands? Any other hands? Thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for these individuals. The word says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. So together, you just repeat after me. Everybody as a church family, we're all going to pray this. We're all going to commit to Jesus again, afresh and anew. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you rose for me. I give you my life. Please be my Savior and be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I bless this congregation and their families, and I thank you for all that you've done tonight. I thank you for giving us tools, for giving us wisdom and understanding. And God, I ask that you will just bring such blessing and favor over these people and their families, that physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and financially, they would be blessed as your kids. I ask you'll give them favor with professors and bosses and coworkers and family members. I ask that you will lead them and guide them and that you'll help us to continue to dive into your word. Oh, we love you. Help us to love you more and help us to love those around us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen and amen. We give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight.